My name is Soon Park, and I'm the host of Sarah for Ballet. This podcast is designed to highlight the diversity problem in the ballet world, and illustrate experiences from students, guests, and experts, and inspire people to advocate to eliminate racism and break stereotypes in ballet and the arts. Let's get started. Welcome to an episode of Stereo for Ballet podcast. Today, we want to talk about something that's rarely talked about in the dance world: LGBTQ+ and non-binary inclusion in dance. George Balanchine once famously said, "Ballet is women." He might as well have added men to that sentence. However, ballet has long been preserving its male-female binary tradition. Most ballet techniques and movements segregate itself into gender-based categories. It is not a surprise, therefore, that the dance world is now welcoming to LGBTQ+ and non-binary artists, and many schools are still struggling to welcome dancers who are non-binary, transgender, gender fluid, gender non-conforming, or still discovering their gender identities. In 2019, hashtag #BoysDance2 began to trend after the host of Good Morning America joked about Prince George taking ballet classes. This bullying took place, even though it is no secret that young boys who enroll in dance classes face bullying to an outstanding degree. Eighty-five percent of male ballet students in the United States. This was when the dance community fought back, with dancers posting photos and videos of amazing men flying through the air, showcasing the power, grace, and masculinity of dance. These photos and videos showed traditionally masculine dancers who were heavily muscled. Showing off their incredible athleticism, the endless anecdotes about the strength of ballet dancers were rising. However, this all focused on hypermasculinity. Even though that is undeniably beautiful, it is time to explore gender beyond the male-female binary, and whether dance, a deeply patriarchal institution, is adapting to today's evolving gender and sexuality norms. Sean Dorsey. A San Francisco-based choreographer, dancer, writer, teaching artist, and cultural activist, who was recognized as the U.S. first acclaimed transgender modern dance choreographer, immaculately captures the amusement and disappointment of this event. Yes, of course we should rise up and speak out when young cisgender boys are bullied simply for studying ballet, but that should have only been one element of a much larger intersectional conversation. Unfortunately, it's about as far as the media and the mainstream dance field went. Where was the outrage for the immense bullying and harm to trans girls and boys and non-binary kids who want to or are studying dance? Where was the outrage around the white supremacy in the ballet field and modern dance field and American general? He continued, and why did the entire conversation largely reinforce toxic masculinity? Hey, men ballet dancers are strong, tough, and they're still real men. Rather than tackling it, we reject homophobic and transphobic toxic notion of masculinity. Instead, we celebrate the glorious full range of human expression available to all of us who love ballet. We are strong. We are fluid. We are expressive. We are tender. We are vulnerable. We are beautiful. Take Scott's story for example. As a Cleveland dancer who dreams of performing male roles in a major ballet company, he was assigned female at birth and is transitioning to male. 
and uses male pronouns. He was struggling to train mainly as a female up until about age 17. After he came out as trans at age 15, he considered quitting ballet altogether. Unconfident if he could train as a male at a studio, he enrolled in classes elsewhere. Even so, he was determined to be himself in the ballet world and earned a full male scholarship to Ballet Met's 2018 training program. He is deferred for a year while he adjusts to hormone treatment and recovers from his surgery. In the meantime, he is training with the Inland Dance Theater, a contemporary company in Cleveland. He says, They've been absolutely amazing when accepting me and training me as 100% male. Since I am so new in my transition, there's a lot of things I'm way behind with compared to other guys my age. This might give you a sense of the elation a non-binary dancer feels when they're finally able to dance as their true self after they fought for their authenticity. Nevertheless, these stories about non-binary dancers are barely told. Less isn't always more. Katie Pyle, the artistic director of Brooklyn-based Ballets, says, My position is gender expansive versus gender neutral. I'm not interested in de-gendering anything. I'm interested in expanding ideas about who can do what. In 2011, Pyle founded Ballets during an artist residency at the Brooklyn Arts Exchange in order to offer dancers a radically inclusive queer space. Even though the class have evolved, the goal still remains the same, to offer the same exercises as a regular ballet class, but with more friendliness, inclusiveness, space, and humor. She repurposes assumptions about gender roles to help students recognize and break habits. Kate Dasafi, a Chicago-based teacher and freelance artist, keeps the fact of a dancer's identity separate from their fiction of their movement material. Distinctions could much be clear between how we dress people as human beings versus as dancers or characters on stage, says the Sofri, who uses they them pronouns. I perform a lot of roles originally created for female dancers, and I'm comfortable with that. A student of theirs, assigned male at birth, likes to wear a tutu and has so much fun with it. Creating an environment where that's okay is important. The Sofri suggests instead of saying women's variation and men's variation, just variation A and variation B. Surely we could all learn both tracks, they say. The software addresses their youngest students with gender non-specific language, calling them dancers instead of boys and girls, and avoiding making any assumptions about gender identity. They divide the room randomly and jump in immediately whenever they see aggressively gender language being used among students. Dorsey says that hiring trans teachers and faculty members is a powerful way to model inclusivity. People talk a lot about doing the hard work and the heavy lifting of justice and equity, says Dorsey. For me, it brims with love and joy and good humor and all the most beautiful parts of humanity. It doesn't need to be some dreaded obligation. It's actually an invitation to connect with a more glorious range of human beings to see and learn things in new ways. On that note, here are some ways to make your dance studio more inclusive for LGBTQ plus dancers. First, identify your own biases. 
In order to truly build an inclusive dance community, we need to take time to reflect and see where our own personal biases and stereotypes are and how they affect our words and actions. Spending some time with questions that provide some insight into some internal biases we were unaware of is extremely important. Second, use LGBTQ inclusive language. One of the quickest ways we can be benign to be more inclusive is using appropriate language. Instead of boys and girls or ladies and gentlemen, we can address students as dancers. This moves away from the binary language and allows students to build their identities as dancers also. Integrate LGBTQ plus topics into dance, especially for teaching. We need to consider how we can embed LGBTQ plus issues, accomplishments, and history into the lessons, especially if we are a teacher. Advocating for LGBTQ plus dancers can be done by educating students about these topics. These things will ultimately create a safe and inclusive environment for everyone. So far, dancers who don't fit into the binary have been quashed, and there's not a lot of lesbian, gender fluid, and queer representation in dance. The dance community is finally expanding and starting to include all voices and stories, both in and out of mainstream companies, but there's still a long way to go. Thank you for listening to our podcast. As you all know, our STEP program that gives free online ballet classes to children ages 5 to 10, especially those who can't afford it, is already available. Check out our website, stairwayforballet.com, to register to get the Zoom links every week. To keep up with our social medias, check out our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.